It's time to explore why every major corporation in the United States seems to celebrate a month revolving around rejection of traditional sexual morality. Whoopi Goldberg is big mad at Ron DeSantis. And the pro-democracy Brazilian left isn't particularly pro-democracy. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Ah, the anticipation grows for the most holy month of the year, of course, I'm speaking of Pride Month, the month when we celebrate one of the seven deadly sins and all attendant sexual immorality connected with it. Actually, it may be two of the deadly sins, actually, depending on uh, which ones we are counting here. But Pride Month is a time when we come together and we spend an entire month honoring LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign I, two spirit, happy face emoji, sad face emoji, tilde people, about 30 times more than we celebrated all the soldiers who died to preserve our freedom. We have Memorial Day, but we do have Pride Month, which is like a month filled with days. And lest you think, wait, didn't we already have Pride? No, we didn't have Pride Month. We had like Les- Lesbian Visibility Day and we had like Transgender Awareness Week. Had, like, there, there's been a lot of it this year, but Pride Month is, of course, it's, it's basically the high holidays when it comes to secular morality. And so just like Christmas time, when, when, when all of the stores decide that they are going to spruce up by putting Holly in the windows and and Santa receiving children to, to give them their Christmas wishes. Just like that, Pride Month, we will festoon all of our corporate stores. Everything in America will be festooned with rainbows, festooned with the new Pride Progress flags. The, the rainbows are, are passe. I mean, we, we know that already because they didn't include enough BIPOC transgender little people. So we have to have the world's ugliest flag, the Pride Progress flag, which is the rainbow flag, but it has that weird triangle that comes in from the side, but also has some light pink and and light blue on it and all of the rest. It's all very exciting stuff. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, why is it that there is a universal wave of celebration of Pride Month? After all, isn't this a country where a large segment of the population actually is traditionally religious? In fact, isn't America the most traditionally religious Western country in terms of church attendance, in terms of people who believe in Judeo-Christian morality, with regard to sexual mores. Isn't this a country where there still is a pretty significant split over the question of the morality of, say, whether a boy is a girl or a girl is a boy? Well, yes, there is, but not in the halls of corporate America. And then you might wonder, well, hold up a second. Isn't, isn't corporate America answerable to the people? I mean, after all, doesn't corporate America have to cater to the market? We've been told that capitalism turns everything into a matter of, of making money. And when you ignore half the audience in the United States, you're probably shrinking your audience size. If you just stayed neutral, wouldn't you be better off? Let's say you just didn't celebrate Pride Month. You didn't celebrate like Christian, you didn't celebrate Christian morals and mores, but you also didn't celebrate Pride Month. All you do is you sell shoes. You're a shoe store and you sell shoes. You have like a giant rainbow display talking about RuPaul's gallivanting around in high heels. And, and at the same time, you don't have like pictures of nuns wearing shoes. It's just, it's just a shoe store. Now, you might think to yourself, wait, wouldn't that be the safest approach for corporate America? And the answer today is no. The answer today is no. Because here's the thing. We on the right, we've been engaging in a tactic where we pick and we choose a few corporations and we bat them about the ears. And that's good. We should be doing that. But is that going to solve the overall problem of corporate America universally to a corporation backing the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign I two spirit agenda? Is that going to solve the problem? Now, it may intimidate some people into something reflecting neutrality. But the problem is that we may be on the point of neutrality at this point. The reason I say this is because there's a Harvard Business School study just a couple of years back. It's like 2014. 
by James Bailey and Hillary Phillips in Harvard Business Review. And here's what the study looked at. What the study looked at is the views of people on the left and people on the right with regard to how they regard corporations. Do they like corporations? Do they not like corporations? And so what they looked at was a fake corporation. They made up a corporation called Jones Corp. And they basically said that they created a few iterations of it. One was that Jones Corp was a conservative corporation. Iteration number two is that it was a neutral corporation. And and iteration number three is that it was a left-wing corporation. For people who are on the left, if they perceive the corporation as either neutral or left-wing, they're basically indifferent about it. But as soon, literally the moment, that it identified in any way as a conservative corporation, there was a 33% drop in opinion among people of the left. That was not mirrored among people of the right. People of the right basically saw the corporation the same across the board. It's a place that sells me things. But people of the left saw these corporations as innately of the left, which means the neutral space has disappeared. And the right has responded by pointing out, okay, well, if you're saying the neutral space has disappeared and you are clubbing everybody from neutrality into the left, well, then in order to restore neutrality, maybe we have to pull them back to the right. But maybe neutrality just doesn't exist anymore. Maybe these corporations aren't going to have a safe space where they can just, you know, provide you product without having to engage in this game. And unfortunately, that has become the case because there is a group of people, a group of very elite people who get together on a fairly regular basis in the halls of power, and they decide for all of us exactly what social politics are going to be promulgated every time you go to Target, every time you go to Kohl's, every time you go to Disneyland. There's a broad-based agreement by investment capital firms that they are going to promote left-wing agenda items, and they're going to do it with the backing of government, but also in collusive fashion. They're going to get together and they're all going to universally push ESG, right? Environmental social governance. The S in ESG is what we're talking about here. Social governance, meaning they wish to push forward a left-wing social agenda and you will be told exactly what you are supposed to believe. And if you do not like it, they're counting on your apathy to make sure that there is no actual backlash. And if there is backlash, maybe it'll be sporadic. Maybe it'll die out because there's one thing they know above all. And that is, that the entire ESG superstructure, the funding superstructure for this is way larger than any individual boycott that conservatives can put together against Bud Light or put together against Target. So how exactly does this really corrupt system work? We'll get to that in just one second. First, if you don't trust the federal government and how it's been handling money over the past several years, you might want to think about diversifying at least a little bit into precious metals. I mean, the fact of the matter is we have 40-year highs in inflation because all of these supposed experts are not really very good at their job. Right now, There are central banks around the world that are starting to diversify away from the U.S. dollar thanks to inflation, deficit spending, and of course, our insurmountable national debt. But gold is a great way for you to diversify against the vicissitudes of the U.S. dollar. You can own gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That is correct. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. The best part, you're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. I bought gold from Birch Gold in preparation for uncertain economic times, and you should do the same. Diversification is just a smart strategy. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that diversification is a smart thing to do. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Again, text Ben to 989898 today. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. Okay, so there is a superstructure that has basically decided how exactly all of these businesses are going to operate. That superstructure is dictated by the biggest investment firms on planet Earth. Those investment firms are essentially BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. According to Anson Frerichs, who's a co-founder of Strive Asset Management and a former Anheuser-Busch executive writing for the UK Daily Mail, he says 
that these three companies control more than $20 trillion in assets, almost none of which is their own. Instead, they manage the money held in everyday Americans' retirement accounts, pension funds, mutual funds, and investment accounts. Together, those big three constitute the largest shareholders of nearly 90% of all the largest companies listed on the U.S. stock exchange, the S&P 500. So you have three companies that control $20 trillion in asset, and they're the largest stockholders in 90% of all the largest companies listed on the U.S. stock exchange. Those three companies are largely controlling pension funds. And it turns out they have an agenda. They collusively have formed an agenda together, and they've made clear this agenda. So let us flash back to just last year, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink talked about the necessity for the business elite with their left-wing social politics to dictate to literally every consumer of the West exactly how they should feel about controversial social issues. It's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting. It is development, as Ken said. Okay, so it's development. It's recruiting. And it is investment itself. Investing in ESG positive companies has become the way that all of these major corporations, these major investment firms, BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, that is how they control the narrative in the United States of America. Again, as Frerichs writes, the turning point was 2019. That year, the Business Roundtable, a group of CEOs from America's largest companies, adopted a new statement on the purpose of a corporation, declaring that all companies share a fundamental commitment to all of our stakeholders to promote the larger social good. 188 American CEOs signed on. Among them were the CEOs of the big three and other large financial institutions like J.P. Morgan and Bank of America and many of the companies they own. That includes Target, Disney, and Coca-Cola. The big three began to issue guidelines on how they expected their portfolio companies to honor this commitment by implementing those ESG targets or scores. And so they immediately started leveraging in left-wing social engineering into all of these companies. The big three wield enormous influence over pretty much everything that happens inside of these companies. And you know who knows that is Joe Biden. So according to Beth Brooke Marcianic, who's the board director and former global vice chair of public policy at Business for Social Responsibility, which is, again, an interest group that is involved in this sort of nonsense. Joe Biden approached Beth Brooke Marcianic and actually told her that companies should force change, that there was stuff he could not do at a governmental level because it would be a violation of free speech, but he wants government not to force the change. Government will work hand in glove with major corporations to force the kind of change that Joe Biden would like to see. So the PGLE, Partnership for Global LGBTI Equality, this is a group that was formed in collaboration with the World Economic Forum after five or six years of working behind the scenes with senior leaders at just a handful of companies. This, com this organization was founded in January of 2019, but there's strength in numbers. So with the platform of the World Economic Forum, the power of the UN, and then finally, the strength in the companies working together, where when you combine our, the, the, the uh, economies, the corporate economies of those 14 countries, we're bigger than most, a lot of countries. So tremendous power. In Davos a couple of years ago, Vice President Biden met privately with those of us working behind the scenes. And he sat down with us and looked us in the eye and he said, you can do, you companies can do what we government cannot and will never do. You can do what government cannot do. Namely, you can force compliance. You can essentially make it impossible to find a corporation that is not mirroring 
the left-wing social agenda when it comes to things like Pride Month. The organization that um, Beth Brooke Marcianic is referring to there, the PGLE, is the Partnership for Global LGBTIQ Plus Equality. So what exactly do they do? Well, they're a consortium of 270 plus major businesses, including Accenture, Airbnb, Google, Pfizer, Paramount, PepsiCo, PayPal, Hyatt, Procter & Gamble. It's hard to find a major corporation in America that is not on that list. And what exactly do they do? Well, they agree to abide by the standards of conduct. What are the standards of conduct for all of these major corporations that are quote unquote partners with the PGLE? Well, they have a few different standards. They're produced in collaboration with the Institute for Human Rights and Business based on UN guiding principles on business and human rights. You got the UN dictating these particular standards. And those standards include the idea that businesses are encouraged to contribute to stopping human rights abuses in the countries in which they operate. So how do they define human rights abuses? Anything opposing the LGBTQI plus agenda. In doing so, they should consult with local communities to identify steps they might take, including public advocacy, collective action, social dialogue, support for LGBTIQ plus organizations, and challenging abusive government actions. So all these corporations have agreed to become tools of the left-wing social agenda. Again, why are they doing that? It doesn't run with their bottom line. It certainly doesn't favor the interests of their shareholders, all of whom theoretically should want to reach out to customers of all political persuasions and all religious persuasions. Now, the reason that they're doing this is because all of the major investment firms that own a giant chunk of their stock are left-wing institutions, State Street, BlackRock, Vanguard. That is the entire plan right here. And they've also leveraged this into organizations that basically govern companies that, that aren't even involved in this. So let's say that you're a company that is just on the NASDAQ. And just as a NASDAQ-listed company, you don't feel the necessity to sign on with the PGLE. You're not even a consumer-facing brand. Let's say that you're an R&D brand. You're just in, in some industry where you're doing R&D in tech or biotech or something. Why should you sign on to any of this stuff? It's not like you have a store and people are walking in and need to see the pride progress flag or something. So why do you sign on to that? Well, the answer is number one. Again, all of these major corporations that are big stockholders in public corporations, they have decided that they are going to essentially threaten to withdraw their money and undercut your stock price if you refuse to do what they say. Not only that, but they've also institutionally captured places like the NASDAQ itself. So the NASDAQ itself approved a rule on August 6th, 2021 to encourage greater board diversity and to require board diversity disclosures for NASDAQ listed companies. What does that mean? It means that companies must disclose in a standardized matrix set forth in the rule the total number of company board members and how those board members self-identify regarding gender, predefined race, and ethnicity categories plus LGBTQ plus status. You are mandated to have a certain number of LGBTQI plus minus divided by assigned people on your board if you are on the NASDAQ. And if you don't, then you have to explain publicly why you don't have enough lesbian little people on your board. That is the idea here. And the NASDAQ, they say that we are not going to necessarily delist you, but they have to publicly disclose the reasons they did not satisfy the objective. Presumably, at some point, if NASDAQ does not like your explanation, then they got a problem. NASDAQ will verify that companies have provided an explanation in the event of noncompliance. They won't evaluate the disclosure from a substantive perspective, but you know that's the next step. The next step will be the NASDAQ deciding that you don't have a sufficient justification for not having enough intersex little people on your board. And so maybe you have to be delisted. They've captured the commanding heights of finance. And not only have they captured the commanding heights of finance, they've combined with government in order to do so. Because remember, there was an attempt at the state level in places like Florida to essentially ban the use of ESG in investment decisions. The the Republicans in Congress tried to do this. The Republicans in Congress passed a bill 
essentially saying that from now on, corporations are answerable to their shareholders. They should not be using external factors like ESG to define their mission. And Joe Biden stepped in and said, nope, we're not going to do that. Joe Biden stepped in and he said, no, we are not going to allow that. ESG must be a defining factor of how investments get done. Of course he wants that to happen. He literally said he wants that to happen. So you now have the merger of government and corporate interest in pushing a left-wing social agenda. And of course, if you're a big firm like Vanguard or State Street, you know where your bread is buttered. It's buttered by the federal government. The federal government, the SEC governs you. Republicans don't use the SEC generally to threaten corporations one way or another, but the left certainly does. The left is perfectly happy to use the SEC to threaten mergers and acquisitions they don't particularly like. So if you are State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock, sure, your leadership might be into ESG, but it very well might be the case that you just don't like regulatory agencies breathing down your neck. And so the bottom line here is that you now have a daisy chain of left-wing social engineering, beginning with government, bleeding over into the corporate sphere, beginning at the top of investment finance, and then moving into nearly every corporation in America. And again, all these corporations, they can get away with it just so long as conservatives basically remain complacent about all of this. It's also why corporations are able to force their own employees into silence. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, I got to tell you, I have a brand new baby. This means child number four. And uh, things are very busy around the house. And so the idea that I'm going to be spending valuable hours of my day chomping on fruit and vegetables in order to actually get the balance of nutrition I need uh, that that's very time consuming and I don't like vegetables. So instead, I rely on balance of nature. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Through balance of nature's advanced cold vacuum process, the vitamins, minerals and phytonutrients of the fruits and veggies are preserved. So you can get that vital nutrition in each capsule. Balance of Nature is a whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in their capsules is pure fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature sends a bunch of their products down to the studio for my team to try. We all love them. For example, producer Jake, he hates cabbage like every normal human being, but he loves Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules that make him feel great. They're easy to take. They're kosher, so I've been taking them as well, and they work wonders. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first preferred order. Again, balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free, like no strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost a thousand bucks a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make that switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for several years at this point. I can tell you the coverage is excellent. Go check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so this also allows corporations not only to pressure the market, right? Because again, this only works if there's unanimity. There's a collective active action problem among these corporations. If there is one corporation, like a major corporation that just says, no, we're not, we're not going to do any of this. We're not doing it. They capture a huge swath of the audience. They capture an enormous swath of the audience. So there's a collective action problem. So what do you do? You go to the people who are funding all of these corporations and you make sure that they all universally adopt the language. This is what, you know, you ever wonder why it is that everybody universally, like on a dime, started asking about people's pronouns? How did that happen? 
Why was it that one day nobody even thought about this nonsense? And then the next day, literally every major corporation in America began asking you your pronouns and identifying the pronouns of its employees in their in their email sign off lines. How did that happen? The answer is that's top down. That does not happen bottom up. It's not a coincidence. It's not happening through some sort of grassroots effort. It's happening because there are people at the top of the investment firms who are backed by people in government and they are all coordinating and colluding in order to make sure that you must do what they say. And this is very scary because when it gets mobilized against particular individuals who don't have a lot of institutional power, people who work for corporations, everybody has a job, right? It makes it very difficult to stand up against your corporation. I get this question all the time. What do I do? My corporation has decided that it wants me to do DEI training. What do I do? My corporation has made it mandatory for me to identify my pronouns in my, in my email sign-off line. What am I supposed to do? And the answer is, it's very difficult to fight that machine because the machine will crush you. One of the beautiful things about Daily Wire is that we have our own machine here. We have a pirate ship and we can basically do what we want here. But that doesn't mean that we've had, we haven't had to navigate some pretty damned choppy waters and that those choppy waters won't continue. Because again, there is a tsunami and the tsunami is coming. It's a, it's a giant wall of water and it is moving toward all of us in unison, right? Because collusion is actually happening. The left likes to talk about corporate collusion. This is the highest form of corporate collusion that exists in modern civilization. Is every single major corporation acting in unison on controversial social issues, like whether boys are girls, girls are boys, and every form of sexual orientation is morally equivalent. In unison, without anyone, like lockstep, goose-stepping forward, all in unison. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. It is corporate fascistic ideology at work. Now, the left is always worried that corporations were going to turn everybody into the company man. But now they've captured the power of corporations, which is why you see them all rooting for Disney against Ron DeSantis these days, for example. It's why you suddenly see the Democratic Party talking about how big business is their friend. This would be the reason. And you can see the effects on individuals. Like it takes actual courage in order for people to stand up and they're very likely to get clubbed if they do. So to take an example, the LA Dodgers recently got themselves into hot water because again, they're a major corporation, the LA Dodgers. And the only way to explain what they are doing, the, the LA Dodgers, is to understand that they do not feel bound by their own customer base. The LA Dodger customer base is heavily Hispanic and heavily Catholic. I know, I, I used to live in LA. And yet they decided to slap Catholics in the face by hosting an LGBTQI plus minus divided by sign Pride Night featuring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a, an anti-Catholic hate group that is designed in order to mock Catholics with perverse displays. And then they backed off of it. And then when they were clubbed from the other side, when they were clubbed by the left, they decided to go back and do it again. Well, now you have certain members of the team who have decided to speak out. And this takes actual courage, as we'll see in a moment. So one of those people is a pitcher named Trevor Williams. He is a right-handed pitcher for the Washington Nationals. And he wrote, quote, as a devout Catholic, I'm deeply troubled by the Dodgers' decision to reinvite and honor the group of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at their Pride Night this year. A Major League Baseball game is a place where people from all walks of life should feel welcomed, something I greatly respect and support. This is the purpose of different theme nights hosted by the organization, including Pride Night, to invite and honor a group that makes a blatant and deeply offensive mockery of my religion and the religion of over 4 million people in L.A. County alone undermines the values of respect and inclusivity that should be upheld by any organization. Creating an environment in which one group feels celebrated and honored at the expense of another is counterproductive and wrong. It is a clear violation of the Dodgers discrimination policy, which explicitly states that any conduct or attire at the ballpark that is deemed to be indecent or prejudiced against any particular group or religion is not tolerated. It seems that the Dodgers have made an exception in this case, doubling 
down that this group, which grossly disrespects and openly mocks many of the traditions and beliefs Catholics hold most dear, should be celebrated. I believe it's essential for the Dodgers to reconsider their association with this group and strive to create an inclusive environment that does not demean or disrespect the religious beliefs of any fan or employee. I also encourage my fellow Catholics to reconsider their support of an organization that allows this type of mockery of its fans to occur. I know I'm not alone in my frustration, hurt, and disappointment about this situation. As Catholics, we look to Jesus Christ and the way he was treated, and we realize any suffering in this world unites us in him in the next. Okay, I mean, that, that is a courageous statement by Trevor Williams. He's not the only one. There's another MLB pitcher named Blake Trinan. Blake Trinan also put up a statement regarding all of this. Trinan, I believe, pitches for the Dodgers themselves. He, um, he put out a statement via one of his friends saying, quote, I'm disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. Many of their performances are blasphemous. Their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and the Christian faith. I understand that playing baseball is a privilege, not a right. My convictions in Jesus Christ will always come first. Since I've been with the Dodgers, they've been at the forefront of supporting a wide variety of groups. However, inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to perform disenfranchises a large community and promotes hate of Christians and people of faith. The single event alienates the fans and supporters of the Dodgers, Major League Baseball, and professional sports. People like baseball for its entertainment value and competition. The fans do not want propaganda or politics forced on them. The debacle with Bud Light and Target should be a warning to companies in professional sports to stay true to their brand and leave the propaganda and politics off the field. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. This group openly mocks Jesus, the cornerstone of my faith. I want to make it clear I do not agree with nor support the decision of the Dodgers to honor these sisters of perpetual indulgence. Okay, good for Blake Trinan. But then there's the story of Anthony Bass. So he's a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. He shared a post on his social media in which he encouraged the boycott of Target and Bud Light. He shared a video calling on Christians to stop patronizing those companies. The original video said, quote, here's the reason biblically why I believe Christians have got to be boycotting Target, Bud Light, and any other corporation that's pushing the things they're pushing. This is evil. This is demonic. We won't stand for it. We're not going to go to the stores anymore. We're not going to give them any of our money. Bass was then forced, presumably by the Toronto Blue Jays organization, to apologize for his own religious convictions. Here we go. I recognized yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine. And I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. The man was struggle uh, include all fans at the ballpark. And we, and we want to welcome everybody. Uh, the Maoist struggle sessions. The Maoist struggle sessions. You definitely have to cater to a tiny percentage of the population that is deeply offended by people who don't want the transing of the kids' material at Target. You have to cater to those people, not the other 98% of the American population. Okay, so if the solution isn't really individuals just standing up, and if the solution can't really be only sporadic attempts to boycott particular brands. What is it? We'll get to that momentarily first. Are you tired of breathing in polluted air in the comfort of your own home? Would you like to safeguard your family's health and well-being? With our new friends at EnviroCleanse, you won't have to worry about it again. EnviroCleanse is an in-home air purifying unit designed to destroy cold and flu viruses, allergy-inflaming toxins, mold, and even more. With EnviroCleanse, they promise far fewer colds, allergies, and better sleep. They even give you a free air quality monitor to test the difference in your very own home. If all home air purifiers are the same, why exactly would the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? EnviroCleanse air purifiers have hospital-grade technology. They come in all sizes, colors, and prices to fit every budget. They're going to make the air quality in your home just immensely better. EnviroCleanse sent us an air purifier for the office. We all love it to make us all breathe cleaner. And we're bringing one home as well, since we have now four kids and 
That means that germs are rampant in the house. EnviroCleanse is quite useful. Breathe in pure air, live a healthier life. Visit ekpure.com. Use code BEN for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home air purification unit. Right now, you also get their free air quality monitor plus fast free shipping. That's $150 savings. ekpure.com, code BEN. That's ekpure.com, promo code BEN. Meanwhile, if, well, with all of this happening, what exactly is the solution? Right, We've talked about this vast, collusive, quasi-conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy when they do it right out in the open, just say they're doing it. This vast, collusive group of people who have decided to leverage down, to cram down on the American public and the international public, actually, and on every major company in America, left-wing social engineering. So how exactly do you fight that? It's easy to say, you know, you, the individual, you should get up and you should protest your corporation. Okay, I mean, that, that, that sounds great, except that then you lose your job and then you can't feed your family. Not everybody can work for the Daily Wire. So what exactly, well, as a consumer, obviously you can exercise choice and it does work from time to time when you do. And you can show corporations that they ought to be scared of the consumer. Bud Light, for example, is getting absolutely clobbered. Apparently sales are worsening. They had a staggering drop of 29.5% for the week ending May 20th. Data from Bump Williams Consulting and Nielsen IQ provided to Newsweek shows that sales by volume are down almost 30% for the week ending May 20th compared to last year. Sales are down 25.7% for revenue compared to the same time window. This is a bloodbath. Anheuser-Busch InBev stock is getting crushed since the start of April. Beers are selling for pennies and there is no end in sight. Now, it is worthwhile noticing here that one of the reasons why this has been a successful boycott and will continue to be a successful boycott is because the alternatives are readily available. Meaning all you have to do, you're at the grocery store. You don't like Bud Light because Bud Light decided they were going to push Dylan Mulvaney, a man masquerading as a woman, as a spokesperson. So instead, you turn six inches to your right and you pick up some cores. And actually what you can see is that Bud Light sales are down 25% and Coors Light sales are up 25%. They just moved, everybody moved from one brand to another. What happens when you're talking about a universal wave of companies all mirroring the Pride Month celebratory morality? What happens when that happens? How do you fight that? The answer here is going to be a bevy of lawsuits. Okay, this is going to be a, this is going to be legislation and lawsuits because what we are watching right now is illegal collusion between these companies. I've used the word collusion, but it actually is legal collusion. So there are two separate lines of attack that are going to have to be used legally in order to break up this corporate oligopoly. Okay, line, line number one is going to be, this is anti-competitive. This is a violation of basic antitrust law. That's the case made by the Texas Policy Center. They say the seminal antitrust law in the United States, the Sherman Act of 1890, prohibits every contract, combination, or conspiracy in restraint of trade or commerce. To protect consumers across the economy, courts have interpreted this law to prohibit unreasonable agreements in restraints of trade. Anti-competitive conduct enriches the few, members of a cartel, at the expense of everybody else, harming free markets, ultimately consumers through higher prices and reduced output. Agreements between competitors to fix prices, divide markets, or engage in certain forms of group boycott agreements prevent competition on the merits and are therefore illegal. As former DOJ antitrust division head Megan Delrahim has written, anti-competitive agreements among competitors, regardless of the purported beneficial goal, are outlawed because they reduce the incentives for companies to compete vigorously which in turn can raise prices, reduce innovation, and ultimately harm consumers. For example, there was a case called FTC versus Superior Court Trial Lawyers Association. A group of lawyers agreed to stop representing indigent criminal defendants in Washington, D.C. until the city government agreed to increase their compensation. The FTC took them to court. They argued that this was a per se illegal conspiracy to fix prices and conduct a boycott. The lawyers defended their agreement as a justified strike in the public interest to increase the number of lawyers who could represent those, those particular defendants. The Supreme Court rejected the defense. So you could easily see a situation in which there is a lawsuit against all of these companies, all of these organizations 
for their ESG nonsense, their, their collusive ESG nonsense. In fact, Bloomberg Law reported just a little bit earlier this month that insurers are now being forced to rethink their approach to climate change as they assess the risk of being sued for antitrust violations. Munich Re, the world's biggest reinsurer, recently backed out of the Net Zero Insurance Alliance, citing what it called the material legal risks it would face if it remained. The defection was then followed by two more high-profile departures, with Zurich Insurance Group AG and Hanover Re also leaving. All three said they will still pursue net zero goals, but not in coordination with the alliance. Because, again, they are afraid that they're going to be sued for collusion. So that would be solution number one. Solution number two is somewhat similar. That would be a shareholder derivative claim. A shareholder derivative action is when shareholders basically say that corporate officers are breaching their fiduciary duties, that your fiduciary duty is to maximize the profitability and the viability of the corporation in which I am a shareholder. Your fiduciary duty does not involve doing the work of the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation or the PGLE or whatever ridiculous ESG organization you have decided to join. Their shareholder actions can include anything up to and including conflicts of interest between the corporation and insiders, wasting of corporate assets, executive manager or board member breach of fiduciary duty. The law is going to be a solution to this. And the law will also be a solution in terms of legislation. It's one reason why Republicans are going to actually have to win. You know, there's no substitute for victory because Joe Biden sits in the presidency right now and President Biden has basically vowed that he was going to veto any ESG rule. You'll recall it was not all that long, it was March, when he rejected a Republican proposal to prevent pension fund managers from basing investment decisions on factors like climate change. Of course, because he's literally encouraging all of this. The House GOP tried to override that Biden veto they just didn't have votes to do it. They override failed on a 219-200 vote along party lines. But if Republicans were to win the House and win the Senate and win the presidency, they could actually pass a law to ban ESG investing, which would be necessary in order to restore competition in the marketplace. Also, presumably, the FTC could look at things like collusion if it were not ruled by members of the left wing. But this is going to have to stop. Because what we're watching here is not merely, you know, the, the press wants to portray this as just a shift in generalized American public opinion. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is a cram down, again, from the highest levels of our culture. Okay, in just one second, we're going to take a look at the weird alliance that is now forming between Andrew Cuomo and, and Donald Trump. It's very, very strange. First, abortion is the leading cause of death among infants in the United States and on planet Earth. Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are even at greater risk right now. In the midst of this awful tragedy, we can do something about it thanks to our new partners at Preborn's Network of Clinics. Preborn Clinics stand strong, offering love, support, and compassion to hurting women, helping them make the right choice. By letting a woman see her baby with free ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, a baby's chance at life is doubled. My wife and I just had our fourth child, and we met our son significantly before he was born because we were seeing ultrasounds of him. The, the 3D ultrasound quality is astonishing. I mean, you're seeing your baby at 10 weeks, 12 weeks, and that, my friends, looks like a, a child. It does not look like a cluster of cells. These clinics provide mom with maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more. All the services are provided free of charge up to two years of assistance. So join us in the fight to save these precious lives. One ultrasound is 28 bucks. Any donation amount will help and are tax deductible. Preborn is the answer to saving these lives. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Also, with Father's Day coming up, I've been thinking about how grateful I am that my father is a man and, um, you know, didn't say that he was a woman or anything. For all of his accomplishments, the greatest would be me because without him, I wouldn't be here. Now, that, that'd be a strange thing to say normally, but we live in very weird times. We shouldn't take simple things for granted. Show your appreciation and gratitude for your dad, you know, making the bold choice to remain male 
with a gift from Jeremy's Razors. Right now, they have a 30% off sale on select bundles and razor starter kits. They're 100% woke-free, unashamed to celebrate masculinity. So this Father's Day, don't just give him any gift. Give him Jeremy's Razors. It's the gift that says, thank you, Dad, for being and staying a dude. Thank you for mansitioning. Go to jeremysrazors.com today. Take 30% off our razors, not 100% off, you know, your downstairs arena. Meanwhile, the presidential primaries on the right side of the aisle, they're getting uh, interesting and weird. So Donald Trump, you know, that he, he, he says things on uh, Truth Social. I do have to say, if he's running, you know, a serious presidential campaign, why is he still on Truth Social? Like, this is an actual puzzling question. I mean, the, the man does have, he's been readmitted to Twitter, right? Donald Trump has the ability to post on Twitter, like right now. He has currently on Truth Social a few million followers. He has 87 million followers on Twitter. 87 million. Why is he not using that tool? I mean, the answer is pretty obvious. He's staying on Truth Social because he's invested in Truth Social, which does, you know, raise a question about his priorities. Like if you want to win a presidential race, why not appeal to the 87 million people on your Twitter page as opposed to the five people who are still on Truth Social? But in any case, Donald Trump has had himself an interesting 24 hours. So over the last couple of weeks, he has been attacking Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida and his nearest competitor, on the basis that DeSantis supposedly did a terrible job in Florida. In order to promote that idea, he has then been arguing that DeSantis did worse than Cuomo on mass death, which I guess makes Trump in favor of lockdowns and forced vaccination regimes because that's what Cuomo was in favor of. Now, it's a lie. It's not true. On an age-adjusted, population-adjusted basis, it just ain't true. It's not the case. But it doesn't matter Trump has been doing, and then he reiterated that today. He went after DeSantis again by praising Cuomo, which is such a weird move. Cuomo is the villain in this story. But Andrew Cuomo is still on Twitter. So Andrew Cuomo just tweeted out, quote, Donald Trump tells the truth finally. New York got hit first and worst, but New Yorkers acted responsibly. Florida's policy of denial allowed COVID to spread. And that's why they had a very large second wave. Um, What? So I I'm just going to point out here that that means that Donald Trump is now actually on the same side as Andrew Cuomo, how, like, I, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what, what exactly, what? By the way, just, just so folks know, in terms of deaths per million population, deaths per million population, non-age adjusted, basically Florida and New York are essentially equivalent when you adjust for population age, because Florida is a really old state, Florida is better than New York. And they didn't kill their economy, like completely destroyed their economy. But what in the, like, What? Andrew Cuomo killed every old person in New York. As I said of the former governor of New York, that dude was in office to kill old people and grab ass, and he ran out of old people. And yet Donald Trump is now praising him, and he's praising Donald Trump back. What in the world? Like, uh, what? Meanwhile, that's not the only... So it turns out, you know who he's mad at now? Now he's mad at Kayleigh McEnany. Like his former press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany. Like a very competent and very aggressive press secretary. What was her grave sin, Kayleigh McEnany? She went on Fox News. And she pointed out that Trump is up dramatically on DeSantis, but not dramatically enough. So Trump says, quote, Kaylee Milktoast McEnany just gave out the wrong poll numbers on Fox News. I am 34 points up on DeSanctimonious, not 25 up. While 25 is great, it's not 34. She knew the number was corrected upwards by the group that did the poll. The rhinos and globalists can have her. Fox News should only use real stars. Why is he going after Kaylee McEnany? Like what in the hell? Like some focus would be good. Some focus. Well, meanwhile, you know, you can tell basically who Democrats don't want by who they're spending all of their time attacking these days. So who, who are they attacking? They're not attacking Trump anymore. They're spending each and every day attacking DeSantis with alacrity. So apparently there is a band named Paramore. Since I'm not one of the kids, nor will I attempt to 
be one of the kids. I have no idea what paramour is, what how the word paramour is defined. I, I don't I don't understand any of it. But apparently, this is a it is a band, and it plays music allegedly, and the paramour lead singer. Uh, is going around telling people not to vote for Ron DeSantis, which, I mean, if the Paramore lead singer says it, I guess we, according to the Constitution, that means that, that he can't run anymore. I'll be happy to tell you, I'm very comfortable talking politics. I just, and if you vote for Ron DeSantis, you're dead to me. So is that comfortable enough for anyone? Okay, it's, Apparently, her name is Haley Williams. And I also looked up the name of the band. Apparently, Paramore, like spelled M-O-R-E. It was the maiden name of one of the members of the band. So like that, wow. Wow, just a lot lot of Dixie Chicks vibes right there. Remember that time the Dixie Chicks were like, we will oppose George W. Bush with every breath in our bodies. And then he won two terms as president. So yeah, it's going well. Meanwhile, Whoopi Goldberg on The View. She's big mad at Ron DeSantis as well. She says, she's threatening Ron DeSantis. We're watching you, Ron. Here we go. I don't care. Get the work done. If you get the work done, I'm going to vote for and you. she is getting the work done. Yes. We, we don't have time, but there's a list of stuff that she's been doing. Well, and we have time for this. Hey, Ron, you know, being asleep as you are and have been mm-hmm. for quite some time. See, many of us have been awake this whole time. Yeah. We don't have any choice. We don't have choice as women to, to rest up and be asleep and see things disappear. We don't have time for that. So you want to fight all of us? Because you're going to be fighting your own women as well. Yeah. Because they're not going to take this ridiculousness that you are thrusting off you. It's not like they're voting for this. You are making these decisions for your state. We're watching you, Ron. We're watching you, Ron, from New York, where we don't vote for you. Also, um... Women voted for Ron DeSantis in the last election cycle. He won by 20 points in Florida. Well, what is she even jabbering about? Also, is it true? Fact check. I, a quick fact check. Is it true that women never sleep? She's like, women Women don't have time to sleep. I, I feel like that's not true. Like, my wife's not sleeping a lot right now, but that's because we have, like, a one-week-old. But when we don't have a one-week-old, uh, she sleeps way more than I do. Just as a point of, just a point of order right here. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Charlemagne also very angry at Ron DeSantis because he says that Ron DeSantis wants to throw more criminals in jail, and that's unacceptable. So let me be clear on the record to say that Ron DeSantis is pro reoffend. He is pro reoffend because anybody that is against this uh, first step act, that means you basically want people to get out of prison without any tools. And, and I would ask Ron, I wonder, does he feel like the people uh, that raided the U.S. Capitol should go to jail and stay in jail? <laughs> Absolutely. And he, and he went on record, the, the, glad you brought that up, he actually went on record saying that he would pardon uh, some of the rioters that were convicted. And just mm, as a reminder, wow. five people were killed, right, and 138 officers were injured. So he's totally okay with the rioters, uh, you know, getting an opportunity uh, to get out of jail, but not okay with preparing people uh, to have successful um, you know, opportunities when they get out. So he is pro-reoffend. That's oh, I, I can't believe they're still running with the five people were killed. Routine. I can't, honestly, I can't, I can't believe they're still running with this. But uh, fine, if the media want to attack DeSantis as opposed to Trump, you can see you know, who they fear. And it's pretty obviously DeSantis at this point. Pretty fascinating. Okay, meanwhile, the debate over the debt ceiling continues. According to the Wall Street Journal, House Republican leaders projected confidence on Tuesday that the debt ceiling deal struck with Joe Biden would draw enough support to pass. Some conservative lawmakers are angrily denouncing the agreement. Again, this, this is, 
I got to say, I I feel like a lot of this is kabuki theater. And the reason I say a lot of this is kabuki theater is because 62% of all federal spending is mandatory in the United States. 62%. Another 10% is debt service. So now we're up to 72%. And on top of that, another 13%, which is defense spending, which conservatives typically are in favor of. You're talking about 85% of the government is already funded. So you're now arguing over marginal cuts to the other 15%. And this is the thing that we're going to, you know, go ape leap over. But again, it'd be verboten to actually touch any of the entitlement programs. Strange, strange. Now, Kevin McCarthy, for his part, he points out that, you know, Joe Biden really didn't get a lot of what he wanted in this particular deal, which is true. I mean, Biden didn't get like a major win here. And, and forcing Biden to the table after he said he wouldn't go to the table is a thing. Here's McCarthy. You know, a bunch of Republicans on the big vote are going to vote no. You're going to need a bunch of Democrats to say, you know what? I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to vote with Kevin McCarthy. Well, normally when you make an, when, when you come to an agreement with two different parties, you have people on both parties vote for it. But the difficulty that's different than any time before is the Democrats will tell you there's nothing in the bill for them. Nothing. The president numerous times, he kept asking for tax increases, new government programs. And I just said no. And he says, well, there's nothing in it for us to vote for. I mean, by the way, he's not wrong about this. Joe Biden's own Office of Management and Budget Director. You know, she's out there essentially saying we need to raise taxes. I mean, they want to raise taxes. They didn't get that. He also made the case over and over in this conversation that if you really want to do big deficit reduction, where's the revenue? Where are the high income earners uh, putting more skin in the game? But this is one part. We're not going to give up on our revenue proposals. So while this will change the trajectory of spending when you see the CBO, when we all see the CPO report, uh, when it comes out, uh, where we really need to make headway is on our revenue proposals, um, which has long-lasting uh, deficit reduction abilities and just structural change to change the unfairness in the tax system. Okay, but they didn't get any of that sort of stuff. So again, it's a compromise bill, which means nobody's particularly happy about it. But I I am kind of shocked at how many people are are saying that this is the hill to die on when pretty clearly the spending hill to die on has to do with the mandatory spending aspects of the American budget. Again, this is a point that Kevin McCarthy's making. He's like, why are conservatives so mad at me when Joe Biden is the president? I noticed that we didn't actually cut anything when Trump was the president. I understand people get upset about walking through a debt ceiling, but this is a House, a Senate, and a presidency. I think when you read the Wall Street Journal, you read the New York Post, you sit back and listen to a lot of economists, they'll say, this is the strongest debt ceiling we ever had. And if I compare it to when Republicans were in the majority, when they had the House, the Senate, and the presidency, they didn't cut anything. They just added more money. He is not wrong. He is not wrong. Okay, we'll get to more in just one second. First, producer Savvy recently received the Ranchers Classic Box from Good Ranchers. She is loving it. I'm taking care of the new baby and producing the show. The last thing she needs is to be at the grocery store buying meat that comes from who even knows where. Instead, she has the world's best meat from good ranchers. This Father's Day, let your dad unleash his inner grill master. Whether he prefers a sizzling steak or a savory grilled chicken, look no further than the gift of meat from our friends over at Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers offers ribeyes, New York strips, T-bones, all-natural burgers, and the most delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, right now, you'll get 30 bucks off with our code BEN at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers also offers a price lock guarantee for the next two years. Imagine if you could have locked in that price two years ago. Well, that would have saved you a lot of money. And if you're not sure how to grill that perfect steak, well, they have a lot of recipes on their website, like our favorite, how to cook a steak better than Gordon Ramsay. 
Whether your dad is a steak lover, a barbecue enthusiast, or just enjoys a good old-fashioned burger, Good Ranchers has something for everybody. Order today. Make this Father's Day a sizzling success. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use our code BEN for 30 bucks off any box. That is promo code BEN at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com is American meat delivered. Hey, meanwhile, I do have to point out here that um, the left, you remember that last Brazilian election where Yair Bolsonaro was supposed to be a threat to democracy? If Bolsonaro were to win re-election, democracy in Brazil would be threatened. Instead, Lula had to win. If Lula did not win, then who knew? Democracy, it would be like January 6th. Democracy would be overthrown. Well, it turns out that Lula really, really likes left-wing authoritarians. According to National Review, on Monday, Lula met with Venezuelan leader Nicolas Maduro ahead of a conference of South American leaders in Brasilia. During their joint press conference, Lula slammed U.S. sanctions against Venezuela and defended Maduro as a lawful president. Remember that time when the United States used to actually have an interest in who the leaders of foreign countries were because we wanted them to be, you know, friendly to the U.S.? Bolsonaro was only the most friendly president of Brazil in modern history. And instead, the Democrats and the media were like, nah, we don't like him. He's friends with Trump. Don't like that. Let's get that Lula guy in there. Let's see what he can do. And five minutes in, he's hanging out with Nicolas Maduro, an evil dictator who has subjected his people to mass starvation. Lula has agreed with Maduro's request to join the BRICS organization, presumably in an effort to bolster Brazil's influence in the group. Again, he is a wild left authoritarian and an anti-American. Lula's continuing to be as radical as he wants to be. Even the New York Times is now starting to look askance at some of the left-wing activism inside Brazil. They're like, oh, oops, we said all the people who are democracy activists actually don't like democracy too much. Weird. There's an entire article in the New York Times about Alexandre de Moraes, a Brazilian Supreme Court justice who is crucial to Brazil's transfer of power. But uh, there is only one problem, which is he doesn't like democracy very much. Quote, he has jailed people without trial for posting threats on social media, helped sentence a sitting congressman to nearly nine years in prison for threatening the court, ordered raids on businessmen with no evidence of wrongdoing, suspended an elected governor from his job, and unilaterally blocked dozens of accounts and thousands of posts on social media with virtually no transparency or room for appeal. His moves fit into a broader trend of Brazil's Supreme Court increasing its power and taking what critics have called a more repressive turn in the process. Weird. So so it was so Bolsonaro was the problem. And now that that Lula and his friends took over, you noticed that they're kind of authoritarian. Strange. Strange. Also, worth noting. Remember that time that the left was really anti-colonialist and anti-imperialist? Remember that time? Well, it turns out they are perfectly colonialist and imperialist so long as they are spreading the pride progress flag. As long as they're spreading Again, the meme is never wrong. The 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 military meme that shows Republicans dropping bombs over a foreign country with an American flag on it. And then the left dropping bombs over a foreign country, but it has like a trans flag on it. It's never wrong. It's right every time. Now the left is very angry at Uganda. Why are they angry at Uganda? Well, because they signed into law, Uganda, a wide-ranging anti-LGBTQ bill. It imposes life imprisonment for same-sex activity and the death penalty in some cases. Now, the death penalty applies to aggravated homosexuality. What would that amount to? Well, generally that includes, you know, like having sex with a minor. So it's not just like regular homosexual activity, but the law does impose life imprisonment for anyone found to have performed a sexual act with a person of the same gender and up to seven years in prison for an attempt to commit the offense of homosexuality. Now, is that something that Americans are up for? The answer is no. Do Americans live in Uganda? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very confused as to why the central foreign policy of the United States, which ought to be governed by, you know, American interests, is deeply ensconced in how... Uganda treats homosexual activity. Again, seems like a really bad and nasty law, at least in the iterations where you're talking about consensual sexual activity between people of the age of majority. Seems bad. Seems like a bad law. 
Also, I've noticed that there's a lot more ire about this law on the left than there is about, you know, the mass imprisonment of Muslims in China. Or there is about widespread sex slavery that continues in Africa and the Middle East. Or actual slavery in Africa and the Middle East. I'm noticing you're picking and choosing the causes that you are very, very upset about. And also, you seem kind of imperialist about your values, I noticed. So until five minutes ago, it's like, it's cultural appropriation and imperialism to dictate our values, like, you know, free markets and freedom of speech on these places. They have a different way of life. But then the minute it comes to sexual activity, then they're like, well, nope, now, now we got to speak up. We need to speak. It's big. Again, it's the hypocrisy that I'm pointing out here. Not, uh, not the fact that this, uh, not the idea that this law is good. It's not a good law. It's a bad law. But again, I noticed that all the people who are like, the third world must have its own way. They go immediately silent when you're talking about social politics. All right, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. Okay, things that I like. I have to admit, this is super funny. So there's an AOC parody account. And the AOC parody account is truly a hilarious account. It's, it's really funny because people actually can't tell the difference between the Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez parody account and, uh, and actually Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Like they, they, they can't actually tell the difference because it keeps, I mean, like there've been a lot of people who've been fooled because, and it says right in the, right in the byline that it's a parody, but because it, it's tweets like this, printing money is the only way out of inflation. And people are like, oh, that must be AOC because um, after all, AOC is incredibly stupid. And so she may have said that. Also, Tweets like, if you could milk a cow and get fat-free organic almond milk, I wouldn't complain about their farts so much. Or I'm really starting to believe Elon Musk is my soulmate, which then Elon Musk is a joke, favorited and like put a fire emoji on it. So AOC, like the real AOC, she got big mads, big, big angry. She tweeted, FYI, there's a fake account on here impersonating me and going viral. By the way, it says on the account parody, the Twitter CEO has engaged it, boosting visibility. It is releasing false policy statements and gaining spread. I'm assessing with my team how to move forward. In the meantime, be careful of what you see. Sinister music. Wow. Okay, lady, maybe the reason that um, you're having a tough time here is because people can't tell the difference between your normal tweets and the parody account. I'm sorry that you're already a parody of yourself. And so a parody of you is just a parody of a parody. And it's a very funny account, by the way, the parody account. Quote, I went to the beach this morning and the water was really low. I went back this evening and the water was really high. This is 100% proof that global warming is real. It's, uh, yeah, she, she's, very, she, she's very upset about it. So uh, good for the parody account. Funny stuff. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. So the City University of New York featured a graduating law student last week that called for the dismantling of capitalism and Zionism and called law white supremacy. Uh, the, the person who spoke is a person named Fatima Musa Muhammad. She called for a revolution against America's oppressive institutions. And she called for her graduating class to, quote, fuel the fight against capitalism, racism, imperialism, and Zionism around the world. And um, yeah, man. So uh, that is not a giant shock, considering that these universities are a joke. The fact that CUNY is, I believe, publicly funded and uh, is sponsoring this sort of crap means that they probably violated the law. Like this violates anti-discrimination law because this is obvious anti-Semitism. But uh, here they were pushing, pushing the obvious anti-Semitism. In this moment of celebrating who we are, I want to celebrate CUNY Law as one of the few, if not the only law school, to make a public statement 
defending the right of its students to organize and speak out against Israeli settler colonialism. That this is the law school that passed and endorsed BDS on a student and faculty level. Recognizing that absent a critical imperialism settler colonialism lens, our work and this school's mission statement is void of value. That as Israel continues to indiscriminately rain bullets and bombs on worshipers, murdering the old, the young, attacking even funerals and graveyards as it encourages lynch mobs to target Palestinian homes and businesses as it imprisons its children, as it continues its project of settler colonialism, expelling Palestinians from their homes, carrying the ongoing Nakba that are silent so, is no, that our silence is no longer acceptable. Just vile garbage, obviously, vile anti-Semitic garbage. Uh, the CN, it's CNY brass took a while to actually condemn all of this. They also called the NYPD, this person called the NYPD fascist. And all of this sort of stuff is, is encouraged at major universities around the country. Now, the Biden administration recently came out with a plan to fight anti-Semitism. And this plan to fight anti-Semitism included people forming it, like the Council on American-Islamic Relations. I am not kidding. Which is an absurdity. The Council on American-Islamic Relations is an anti-Semitic organization. Like they spend an enormous amount of time promoting anti-Semitic garbage about the state of Israel, for example. And then the U.S. national strategy to counter anti-Semitism explicitly refuses to endorse the so-called International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism because it points out that when you apply double standards to Israel that you would not apply anywhere else, that that is a form of anti-Semitism. The Biden administration likes those double standards, and so they sort of half-ass it. Again, the rule is that left-wing anti-Semitism is not anti-Semitism according to the left. It's just a form of intersectionality. And you can see that very clearly right here. All righty, coming up, we're joined by Larry Elder. He has a brand new book out, and he is launching a presidential campaign. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us.